This is Bookshelf Banter with Heather Baylog, a podcast to help you discover new authors of the rom-com, women's fiction, and chick-lit genres. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Bookshelf Banter. I'm your hostess with the mostest, Heather Baylog. Each week on this podcast, I talk to indie writers. This week, I'm speaking to author Catherine Beale. Telling stories of resilient women, Catherine R. Beale hails from upstate New York, where her most important role is being mom and wife to an incredibly understanding family who don't mind fetching coffee and living in a dusty house. In addition to being chief home officer and director of child development of the Beale household, she works as a school-based physical therapist. After years of writing countless letters of medical necessity for wheelchairs, finding increasingly creative ways to encourage insurance companies to fund her clients' needs, and writing entertaining annual Christmas letters, she decided to take a shot at writing the kind of books she likes to read, those with humor, heart, and happy endings. Catherine is the author of multiple contemporary women's fiction, romantic comedy, and romance novels, including the award-winning Live for This, Made for Me, and Paradise by the Dashboard Light. So, I've been a huge fan of Catherine for quite a few years now. Um, I read her book, I'm Still Here, probably in like 2015, and it really, really hit home for me. Um, I love her realness in her writing and, and her online presence, too. So I've been looking forward to this interview for a while. But we ended up being literally in the middle of a tropical storm when I talked to Catherine. So I had no power or Wi-Fi. And I ended up recording the whole thing from my phone. And it does cut out in a couple places. And I was, um, you know, I was editing it. And I was like, oh, I'm going to lose, you know, parts of this um, interview. Of conversation, rather, I should say. Because that's more of what it was like with um, talking to Catherine. Um if I edit it so just bear with me in in those spaces and because I didn't want to lose any of this this conversation uh, because Catherine and I they, we come from similar backgrounds well I shouldn't say backgrounds because that's not the word I mean I mean we both work in schools in a medical capacity so in the beginning we do spend a bit of time discussing the current challenges we're both facing in our quote-unquote real jobs and right now, right now it is August 23rd and we're getting down to the wire with like decisions and stuff like that about school, about how it's going to run and, you know, being in the positions that we are, we're, we're, in, we're in a challenging, challenging spot. So, um, you know, that's causing me a lot of stress and it sounds like it was causing Catherine a lot of stress. So we, we did take some time to talk about that, you know, because we're, we're concerned. How are these kids going to learn? Will everyone be distracted? How can we expect to pull this off with no precedence to this? Will it be a disaster? Uh, but ultimately, at the end of the day, it's about the kids and the people around us and you know, during the interview, Catherine brings up a lot of good points about resilience and how this pandemic will ultimately change us and change our kids and hopefully introduce a climate of resilience into our culture that's lacking right now. And uh, Catherine does, definitely knows a, a thing or two about resilience because that's what she writes about. Resilient women in situations that could break any person. 
So I hope you enjoy my conversation with Catherine Beale as much as I did. How are you? Hi. How are you? Good. Trying to stay dry. Welcome. <laughs> Welcome to the podcast. Uh, it's it's been a very interesting day, so <laughs> I, I I apologize. I hope you can bear with me. I just lost power. Like literally twenty minutes ago, I was in the shower. Oh. <laughs> Not a good time, and I had. Um, gotten one of my contacts wedged up in my oh. eye, eyelid. I don't know if you, I don't know if you wear contacts. I used to. So like, yes, I understand. Yeah. It's a combination of terrifying and annoying. And um, then the power goes out. So I'm doing this on my phone. So it might be a little more echoey. Okay. And uh, just bear with me because all my questions were on the computer and I'm like trying to scribble them out right now. Um. Ah, oh, well, so how was how your day? As, well, it's, um, you know, yes. Uh, Are you getting the wind yet? We, we're getting the rain. The rain. Um, they're forecasting the wind a little bit later. But, um, yeah, it's just been one of those days. And uh, like you, I work in the school system, and I've been working summer school. Right. So I just had a very interesting, in not in a good way, day there. <laughs> Uh, I can I can only imagine um you know you and I have that in common I mean working in the school and just just having um and I don't usually I don't usually ask everybody this but like how are you coping with this whole you know going back to school and quarantine so similar to you you, I mean I'm not I'm not a nurse but I'm a physical therapist so yes that's pretty you know you're gonna be hands on I'm hands on (laughs) occurred to me not to go back and in fact, I don't right. usually work summer school um but because and they usually contract out for my position but because of how mm-hmm. everything went in the spring it was like no no I need like I need to see my kids and it never occurred right. to me not to go back and it never occurred to me not to be hands-on because I can't do my job not hands-on um, the yes. way I do but I think part of the difference is is that because my training is first and foremost as a medical professional versus a teacher. Like I, I'm a medical professional. And if I wasn't here, I'd be in a right. clinic or a hospital or a nursing home. The precautions and the equipment and the cleaning is what I was trained to do. Right. Right. So I that, agree. I don't blink at that you know when you've had to do a PT session in an eight by eight room with someone on contact isolation because they have a very very contagious fatal respiratory disease and you are gowned and gloved and you've got the booties on and you know and you're like once you've done that putting a cloth mask on your face or put you know that's it's not a big deal um And you're sweating. You, sweat, you left sweat. out. You're sweating yeah. and sweat's rolling down. Sweat's back. rolling down your. So that hasn't bothered me. Um, basically, what's bothering me is the. I'm worried about my kids getting educated because I won't be home mm-hmm. to work on their education with them, and because they're yeah. in the older grades, their plans are very very virtual. Um, maybe a day or two of school a week. You know, my daughter will be going every day, but for two hours a day. And mm-hmm. my son will be going twice a week for like three hours each time. And he's going to be a junior. And this is like the big year. This is the year that colleges look at. So I'm concerned about them. Um, but then I'm concerned that you have a lot of parents pushing for 
things because of childcare and the school system isn't for childcare. And then you have parents who are sending in sick kids. Can I applaud you there? Like, like very bad. And those are my two things is, you know, I'm possibly risking my life or my children's lives or my parents' lives to be there to help your kid. Don't give me crap if your kid's sick. Basically, yes, yes, and and I and as a school nurse, you would so hundred percent appreciate. You know, and we see this all the time, and I don't think a lot of people that don't work in school don't understand. People will, you know, Tylenol up their kids and and send them in, and I think this is going to be very, very difficult, especially even in our district where only I think the kids are coming in two days a week as of now, right? Two day, you know, split into groups, so. People are going to be like, listen, this is my, my day. My kids come this in the two days. Yeah. And they're going to send them come hell or high water. Yeah. And it, it's very, it's a very crazy time. Yeah, it is. So <laughs> like any time in school, I feel is better than 100% virtual. So right. even if it's a two days, it's better. I can do more with those two days than I can do with just sitting on a computer. So Let's do what we have to do to keep everybody healthy so we can have as many of those days as possible. Be responsible and take responsibility for yourself and your kids and do what you have to do. But remember that you're asking a lot of people to do a lot of things. Right. And putting themselves themselves in. So take some responsibility. That's that's my soapbox. Thank you for coming to my TED Talk. Do your TED Talk. I love it. I love it. Well, I hope it gets better for both of us, for everyone, really, to be honest with you, because it's it, it's just, you know, and, and then, you know, the other day, it's like, oh, there's a hurricane coming. And I'm like, listen, <laughs> 2020 has kicked our ass so hard. I don't even care. There's a hurricane. Let me just go strap my chairs down. And um, yeah, oh, well, we lost power. And, and it, it's just, it's taught us a lot of like, um, resilience. You know, and and that resilience, we've lost resiliency as a society. Yeah. And and we need to and the ability that. to pivot. Yeah. You know, the ability to just pivot and just say, okay, you know what, this is how today's going. And and I I think I actually kind of need that at work because I've gotten to a point where I've been doing this for nineteen years, and it's like, okay, this is what I do. Right. I do my screening this month. I do this this, and you know, I, it's not going to be like that it's this all year. Out the you know, and I, I'm going to have to like <laughs> not be anal you know, retentive and it's, it's going to be hard it's, and it's going to be hard for a lot of people. And I think that if, as the staff in the school, we show that resiliency and that flexibility and that ability to pivot, the kids are going to be fine. Right. But we as adults have, and our, we don't, we don't have a lot of that these days. We, we really mm-hmm. don't. And so, you know, and, and that's, and it's, I think about resiliency a lot because like that is my whole, that my tagline, that's my everything is stories of resilient women. women. So I'm always right. exploring adverse situations. Right. And, oh, yes. And, and I use a lot of my healthcare background in that. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, so I mean, but as a society, I don't see a lot of resiliency and we need it. We need it. <laughs> everybody wants it this way and you know it's and it, I don't, don't want to bend because this is the way I like to do it exactly exactly 
but you know and I feel like well I mean you, you said you know a lot of your books reflect the resilient women and stories of that is that what like was there something specific that happened that made you want to write your first book not or was it if there was nothing on tv <laughs> Um, I was <laughs> oh, very I fortunate. It. I am very fortunate in a lot of ways. But when my kids were little, like my daughter was two or three or so. And so my son was, you know, six or, you know, somewhere in there. My parents would take the kids on Sunday Sundays because they wanted to spend the day with my kids. So I kind of had a little chunk of time to myself and I in theory would clean, but you know, who wants to do that? And I was sitting there one day trying, <laughs> trying to find something to watch on TV. And I was just getting pissed. Cause like I'd watched the real housewives, but like they're terrible people and like they're terrible parents. And I get all stressed yeah. out because they're making poor decisions. And like, I was getting stressed at the TV. So I turned it off and I'm like, well, now what do I do today? And I'd always, reader and at that point I had a nook and I had you know hundreds of books on the nook and I could read a book in a day and that sort of thing um but I had a story in my head that I'd been like working like ruminating on for years so it was a Sunday afternoon and I opened up my computer and just started writing and I didn't tell anyone that I was writing for a while because I'm a physical therapist I'm not a writer and like people are gonna laugh at me and so I wrote for a while and I and then finally one day I told my best friend and she's like, well, send me a chapter. And then she kept saying, send me more chapters, send me more chapters. And she was at a point in her life where she hadn't been able to finish books. Like she would start a book and then lose interest. And she kept asking for chapters and kept asking for chapters. And she said that that book was the first book she had finished in a long time. And so that's wow. how it all started. Mm -hmm. That's, that's a glowing stamp of approval when yeah, somebody, so. you know, can't finish reading. Right. They definitely. So really it's because there was nothing on TV. Uh, <laughs> that was the defining moment <laughs> in my life. Um, but it, and, and what, and which book was that? That was Good Intentions. That was my first book, um, which I still hundred okay. percent stand by the story, but like the writing, I've grown tremendously as a writer. <laughs> so in my spare time, I am kind of working on revising it because it makes me cringe a lot. Um, when you when you reread your first thing, yeah, it's like, I, I mean, oh, I, I refuse to even talk about it. I'm like, I don't even want to look at it. Yeah, it's just awful. I'm like, my, my grammar and and you just you know, yeah. oh, I I agree. So <laughs> I do not. I'm like <laughs> slowly working on revising it, but um, I had delusions of grandeur about writing, getting so much writing done while I was home all this time. But I was working, so I didn't have a lot of free time and. My, I was very mentally drained by trying to do online learning um, as a healthcare provider. So it was, well, you know, you said, you said something like um, you didn't want to tell anybody because you're a physical therapist. And um, that's actually very similar to when I started writing my first book. I was like, I didn't want to tell anyone because I'm like, they're going to be like, you're a nurse. What the heck do you know right. about writing? And, and I have encountered it. I have encountered that. Like, oh, you wrote a book, but you're not even a teacher. Right. And I was like, wait a minute, you have to be a teacher to write a book? I didn't, un I didn't understand where they were coming from, you know, and it, it is, it's actually nice to have somebody else yeah. have that same experience and just, you know, just blow it off. It doesn't matter. You could, you could do whatever. You could be a ditch digger. Right. And, write and, write a book book. Well, and 
I have to write reports and I have, and I write my reports and I write a lot of letters to justify medical equipment for, for my students and wheelchairs and stuff like that. And mm-hmm. I write my letter, my stuff would get approved. And one day the girl at the um, durable medical equipment place was like, this is one of the best letters I've ever read. Like your stuff never gets rejected. And I was like, well, I don't, I mean, I'm, I'm just answering the questions that they're asking. And then I got the <laughs> chance to read other people's, like somebody else's letter, because I had to do it an addendum to it. And I read a couple of reports and like, oh, I actually think I now, might be able, like I can write. Like, and that was the moment when it's like, oh, I do actually have some inherent writing skills, even though I haven't taken English since, you know, sophomore year of college. And that was an elective and it was about reading, not about writing. And Right, right. So, but yeah, anybody can, like anybody, you don't have to have an MFA. You didn't have to go to school for English or something or teaching to be a writer. Absolutely not. And I think a lot of people get imposter syndrome from like, and I've experienced it myself. I'm like, what the heck do I know? You know, here I am. And all these people, you know, you see their, their credits on the back of their book. You know, she's an adjunct professor of this and that. And I'm like, oh, well, what does a school nurse know about writing? But you do, because I read your book yeah. and they're good. <laughs> so you do know what you're talking about. And you do as well, because I, I really want to talk about, I'm still here. I'm, I read it five years ago and I still think about it. Because it was such a poignant novel for me to read, you know, with you. Well, thank you. Did I lose you? No, I'm here. Oh, okay. I'm sorry. I'm just being awkward. It's me. Um, Oh, you you don't, you don't like that one? No, no, I do. I'm like, it's, I'm a little speechless and reclaimed that five years later, you're still thinking about this book. I mean, I can remember, the, I mean, I don't remember details, but I can remember the characters and I remember, and, and people say this a lot, you don't remember um, what people said or did, but they remember how you made them feel. Yeah. And like, I felt like, oh my God, somebody finally got my life. Not that I went, you know, not that I went through what Esther went through or anything like that, but, you know, having that situation where you don't feel as important as everybody else in your life right and you know and that was the first I had talked about it a little bit in my previous book but that's the first book I really started addressing mental health issues in and it's one of those things that I just feel it's such an important conversation to have and um part of the way the that book came about is I had a, a an acquaintance who went missing and it was one of those things I get a text, you know, nobody's seen her. They think she wandered off and I saw her in passing and like, I knew I talked to her casually. I knew her in passing and she always seemed fine and, and she mm. wasn't. And a few months later, they they found her um and she had committed suicide and like that you know they kind of all figured that but about a month after they found her I was driving and I drove by a bus stop and there was someone there that reminded me of her and I had to do a double take and then I thought I'm never gonna see Anna again and then it was just thinking like here she was living this life like we didn't know like most of the 
people who knew her in passing didn't know she had these issues and she had these issues and and I'm never going to see her again. And then it's like, but what if it is really her? You know, and then your writer mind takes over and that sort of thing. But the effect that mental illness has on the family versus mm-hmm. just the person who has the mental illness. Like, that's right. also something we don't, I mean, we're, we barely talk about what happens with mental illness, but let alone right. how it can blow a family apart it almost feels contagious in that way. Like if you live with somebody who's mentally ill, you start to feel mentally ill because you you're at, like, is you this- You find yourself asking right. yourself, am I crazy? Because exactly. their perception exactly. is so altered and their, mm-hmm. everything is so skewed in their head that you sit there like looking around like, am, am I am I crazy? Cause I'm not seeing what they're seeing and, um. I had someone come up to me and she said, you know, my sister was bipolar and we used to call it her cancer because Mm -hmm. it was like a cancer to her. And she had committed suicide and she's like, and I've always felt guilty because I was relieved when she died because I was Mm -hmm. relieved for her and I was relieved for us. And she said, I never talked about it with any of my siblings. And after I read this book, I asked my brother and he said he felt the same way. But you were the, this was the first time, this book was the first time I ever saw it in writing that it was okay to feel some relief because her suffering had ended. Her cancer had won, but it, she was at peace and we were at peace. Right. And, you know, that's what I hope to, to get out of, you know, or like, that's what I hope to give people is some kind of resolution or hope. And this was the first time that she was able to say, it's okay that I feel this way. And it, and that gave her, like, it gave her some peace after reading that book. So, you know. And that's the best thing you could you could hope for as a writer to like connect to people. Yeah. Like I, I think that most writers are. I mean, obviously we're we're there for the fame and fortune, but you <laughs> no, know, fortune. most, most <laughs> of us. That's a good one. <laughs> Sorry. Um, no, and hey, listen, I had a book bub yesterday, so I'm sitting here. <laughs> you're checking, you're checking your dashboard. Checking your dashboard. <laughs> waiting for the fame and fortune to come one day but no honestly I think that's what most writers like they really want to connect to somebody and when you get a review or have somebody come up to you and say something like your book really touched me or I could relate to it it's I I think that's you know that's the most amazing thing you could do that's like being a nurse and saving someone's life and them coming up to you and saying thank you for saving me from choking it's it's equivalent you know it, it's it's definitely a rush and oh yes <laughs> so you know that book made me cry what book made you cry that you can think of <laughs> like, I mean and it's and it's an obvious um the lovely bones like I bawled oh. through that whole book from chapter one and I mean I read it yeah. a number of years ago and I remember my husband looking over at me going, what is wrong with you? And I'm like, 
like, girl who gets kidnapped. You know, it was one of those. Like that made that made me like cry. Um, oh the Fault in Our Stars was an ugly cry. Oh my god! It, like had to put ice on my face afterwards, and then I gave the book away. It's like it's like a freezer book. Like I don't ever want to read it again. <laughs> I mean, but when you're reading a book about kids with cancer, um, so oh. death in book gets me. Like I, like if anybody dies, it doesn't matter. I'm gonna cry. Um, you know, but you know, it has to be, it has to be, you have to get that connection with the characters. I mean, like both in our stars. I still or... Charlotte's Web without crying. Though. Oh my God. Yes. Like I read it out like, my when they year. were little and I'm crying. And my kids are like, what's wrong with you? And I'm like, but Charlotte died. <laughs> sorry. Sorry, people. Spoiler alert. Charlotte died. Um, I'm pretty sure everybody knows about that. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, so I've been reading a lot of happy books lately, you know, more upbeat, more comedic kind of books, just because, yeah. um, you need, you need that. that. I, I think, Especially now. I think the last book that I read was, um, that made me cry was The Hate You Give. Oh, uh, you know what? I read, um, what's the other one that, the one after it? Oh, I read that one come first. Up. Yes, that was it. I read that one first. I have to read The Hate You Give. Yeah, well, I, I do a lot of audiobooks, especially because I mm-hmm. drive around during the day because I go from school to school. And so mm-hmm. I was listening to The Hate You Give on audio, and I had to turn it off because mm. I'm, like, pulling into the parking lot at work, sobbing. But then the great thing is, is you'd have these moments where you're crying, 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 and then there's just that funny beat. And obviously, The Hate You Give is not a funny book, but there is like, there would just be a line that would give enough levity to break that, that emotion, right. that tension, which is a perfect blend. And it, it's so hard to get. And when I hear it, because I, like I said, I do a lot of audio. When I hear it, it's, it's just perfect. Kristen Higgins does that a lot too, where you're like kind of weepy. And then there's just that beat that pulls you out of it. And to me, that is like the perfect that's the that's what I strive for is like those really 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 emotional and then you kind of like flip it at the end Com- combinations so, I mean I can I can relate like you know if we're having something in the family where we're like all sad and we're crying and we're upset you know there's always somebody that tries to just give us a one-liner and it just like you just just relax you feel your body yeah. just relax and go okay it's all right to laugh it's okay to yeah you know even though you're dealing with something that's really intense. Well, and I use humor as my, and humor and inappropriate comments are like my (laughs) go-to coping strategy. So that's just one of those things where maybe that's why I enjoy that in a book because that is my, that is my go-to in life. And, you know, when people are going, you know, I had a friend who was diagnosed with cancer and I walked up to her and I said, I don't know what I can do for you other than provide inappropriate comments, but if you're looking for inappropriate (laughs) comments, you know like that's all I can that offer you great. right now because this is terrible you know it's terrible and it sucks and we all know that but like right I- and and it's definitely better than hearing I'm sorry or right. you know call me if you need anything right or or something well, like that she said she hated when people would just look at her with the cancer face like the oh yeah. and she's like I don't want people looking at me with the cancer face and I'm like well I won't look at you with the cancer face I'll just make inappropriate comments about things that's what I do <laughs> Perfect. 
Um, so what do you wish people knew about you that they don't know? Um, that I exist and I have lots of books for sale. Yeah. It seems to be a common theme. I know, right? I, and, that, um, I, and that's actually like why, why I feel like I wanted to start this podcast because I feel like there's so many people. I've read so many good books from our group and Chicklet and women's fiction get such a bad rap right. as being like fluffy and pointless. And it's, you know what? Some of it, some of it is. Yeah, and some of it we still need fluffy and pointless. Well, so, some yeah, days, sometimes you know? fluffy and pointless, <laughs> and sometimes just because it's. So I, I think what I want people to know is there is more than just the five books that people are talking about that Oprah. And yes, like there's more books out there. And look, get to know get them. Get to know them. You know, because um, it's one of those things. Like you go and you know some you're in different I'm um, in different groups on Facebook I'm sure you are too and it's like oh yes. well, well can you read and it's all like the same books and it's right you know, and like, everyone's reading books. American Dirt and everything and is and you know and, it, and it's one of those things where there's so many books out there I'm out here and I write a decent book and I, I have funny things to say and I have important messages to share and um you know I'm out here so I'm waving but it's a podcast so you can uh, <laughs> I see you reading. But I see you so reading. I think that that would be um what I would want people to know. So so if you wrote a memoir, what would the title oh, be? Oh, that is so easy. It is first runner up. What first is it? First runner up. Oh, um, oh my god. That is like the the chip that I have on my shoulder in life is Coming in second. Coming in second. Um, <laughs> like I've never been the big winner. Um, you know, I had a very, very, very helpful teacher in high school who let me know that I was almost voted most likely to succeed, but I lost oh. my two votes. Oh, and that's painful. When I I I did a pageant right after I graduated high school because I was looking for scholarship money and right. um the, I was first runner off and the judge came up the judges came up to me after and said we would have picked you but you're going out of New York State for college and the winner was going to New, a, New, a state college like was going to college in New York State so if you had been staying if you would defer if we could have guaranteed that you would have deferred your freshman year to stay in Oh, that's terrible. Did I lose you? I don't know. Then try so hard. Did I lose you? Oh. Hold on one second. I'm losing you. Let's see, I don't know what. Can you hear me? I think I can hear you again. Okay. Yeah, I'm sorry. Okay, I no. lost you after the 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 judge said. Oh, um, the judge said you were staying in. If I had been staying in New York State to go to college, I would have won. Or if they could have guaranteed that I would have deferred college for a year, I would have oh. won. But because I was going out of New York State, 
they gave it to the girl who was staying in New York State. And it's like, you don't want to hear that. that. I'd rather lose by a a million, uh, (laughs) million points. By an inch. You know, because it's like, you're almost good enough. You're almost good enough, but not quite. Yeah, that is is terrible. (laughs) So yeah, so that was an easy, See, like, that's was, an easy and I don't know if I mentioned this that. on the podcast before, but I'm going to tell you anyway, was I can't believe I'm not medicated because <laughs> that feels like, like my every, every day is like, I can't believe I'm not <laughs> medicated. I'm getting through this and maybe I should be medicated because maybe it'd be a little easier. Like that easy button in the Staples commercial, something <laughs> like that. Right. Yeah. But it, you know, and <laughs> I guess it's always there if you need exactly. it. But for right now, you're, you know, you're and and it. and that goes back to your whole mental health thing. Like nobody, there's such a stigma um around everything. You know, if you're on mm-hmm. Zoloft or Prozac, I don't even know what's out there anymore. But I see so many kids, and you probably experience a lot of kids that have underlying mental health issues that are just being ignored. And they're manifesting as behavior problems and, you know, lack of motivation. And it's terrible. And I'm not a pill pill pusher ever. You know, it takes a lot for me to to put, you know, my kid on a pill. Like, I'm not the person that was like, oh, you have ADHD. Here, take some Ritalin. You know, try to work through it. But there's so many kids that could just benefit from even just talking to somebody. Yeah. Well, there, there's a whole. Yes, you're you're right. It's a whole separate podcast. <laughs> um, <laughs> let's put a pin in that one. I could go on. There's a there's a lot of things at play with the mental health yeah. of our of our kids today, but a lot of it goes back to um, early developmental experiences with not with always being in a container. Like kids mm-hmm. don't move around. They don't develop their vestibular system, and as such, like their anxiety is highly correlated mm-hmm. with the vestibular system. So that's an issue. Kids don't learn resilience. Mm-hmm. People want what they want when they want it. And if they don't get it, they melt down. Yes. And our kids learn that by seeing. Um, so like there's a, there's a multi and there, there's a, there's a multitude of things. And then you put a screen in front of a baby and yes. it's, messes with their cognitive development and their eye tracking and then it, their eyes can't stabilize their head and then they don't want to move and then you ask them to move and they melt down and they are not resilient so it like that it goes back to what I do in the schools and like my numbers are going up exponentially for all these kids who don't have any medical diagnosis right. but have severe gross motor delays um and it really comes back to the early developmental experiences of mm. put your baby on their belly yes. on your belly on their bellies but parents will say they don't like it, they cry, so I flip them off. Well, if you flip the right. kid off their belly, then they don't learn how to roll. And they don't learn cause and effect. The only effect they learn is they don't, you're going to come and solve their problems. And I think we live in a culture that's very much like, I have a problem, someone else amen, sister. <laughs> come and solve it for me. And that goes back to that. It goes that goes back to the resilience yes. and perseverance that we see. And and on. I I As see it society. too. And I see like you know my um, kid didn't get this. So what are you gonna do about that? Or you know my kid had a problem with this. What are you gonna do about that? Do do you right. do you write any YA at all? I didn't. Wasn't sure. 
Um, no, I, it was funny because my latest book, Take a Chance on Me, started, mm-hmm. was gonna be a YA book. And mm-hmm. I was thinking, like, set, like, early college years. And then trying, like, I can't, right now I write women's fiction, contemporary romance, and romantic comedy, like, kind of chiclet. <laughs> so I'm having a hard enough time yeah. getting a foothold in those genres that I didn't feel like it was wise to then um, venture out I, I think I personally think that you would be very good in that because you have that emotional yeah. intelligence that um a lot of people don't have for you know teenagers and and preteens and stuff like that you know working in the school and having children I don't it's, I've read a lot of YA and some of it's very unrealistic and I'm like I'm sorry. Have you met a teenager? Because they don't do this, you know, or <laughs> they don't do that. <laughs> they don't do that. Well, that was the funny thing. In one of my, one of my, and I, I think you and I are probably in the same uh, age demographic, yes. which puts me solidly as a Gen Xer. And um, I think you're, uh, you're honestly, kind of, I think I'm maybe like two weeks younger than you. Right I was born in like January of 76. So I don't think it's like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So okay, yeah, I'm, just, I'm in December 75. <laughs> so yeah. Okay. Uh, right. So, but I was writing a book about a 29 year old mm-hmm. and she's a millennial. And I had listened to my cousin talking. And so I sort of, my much younger cousin, so I had sort of developed her speech pattern. Oh, wow. Based on how my cousin talks. Well. they do. If you talk to somebody (laughs) in their 20s, there's a lot of likes, and not that I I like a lot too. I put like in a lot as well. But there's a lot of likes and you knows and the yes, upspeak yes. and, and that sort of thing. And so my character, who was 29, who's a solid millennial, had that attitude and had some of those speech patterns. And somebody critiqued it in a review saying, and put a quote, an excerpt of dialogue saying, it's like, you know, <laughs> yes, I, don't I can't know. even. I can't even. And this character, I can't even a lot. So I actually took out a few of the I can't even because there was so many I can't even in there. But that was one of those things that if you, you listen, do. you hear that. And and I wanted to say, but that's very, that is what someone. Oh, I actually had somebody, like. I actually had somebody tell me. To listen to. Um, one of my books, I think it was Amy Maxwell and the teenage daughter was like telling her off and just being whatever she was 14 years old and the um somebody reviewed it and they're like this is not how teenagers speak they're respectful I'm like I'm I'm sorry have you ever met a teenager were you a teenager <laughs> were you born a prod bird she wasn't even that bad like you know or door slamming that's disrespectful and my teen would never do that okay well, congratulations, see it. <laughs> Dude, my daughter started that at like nine. 
Um, I think my daughter. We tell my daughter she if she literally came out screaming, um, so she had to go to the NICU because she followed uh, swallowed so much amniotic fluid. So she's been screaming ever since. <laughs> or like you started off early, <laughs> and especially with girls, you know, boys boys are a slight slightly easier until they drive, yeah. and then they're not easy anymore. Yeah. There, well, there's a year nobody tells you about when boys are about 14, and they just turn into, <laughs> they just turn into yeah, the biggest. They know everything for like a year, uh, and then they're better. And I can't. They know everything. <laughs> it, and it's it's somebody flip. It's like somebody flipped a switch, yes, and then they turn I agree. back off because by 15 they're much better. But that 14 year for boys, it's just, I didn't expect And you can't do any, you can't do anything right. I, I remember I that. Was like, my son was not. No, <laughs> my son was like in seventh grade. And we said to him, dude, yeah. we'll see you on yeah. the other side of this because we don't like you right now. So, <laughs> you know, you can, you can be the biggest jerk you want to be, but just do it in your room. And and they still, you know, still he's telling me because like last night he he's nineteen now. He came in at one thirty, and I was like, dude, you can't do that because like mommy can't sleep until you're home. Nobody told you you had to stay up. Okay, I can't wait till you're a parent. Really? Right. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. Oh, all right. Exactly. Oh, yeah, I, I my daughter will be thirteen <laughs> next week. So yeah, and my son is sixteen and a half. So we're kind of. I'm a couple of years behind you on this, it, but it, it's it one is, of those it is But I, I have to say, and I tell anybody this, and my daughter was very, very rough for probably the first 12, 13 years of her life. And ever since she hit puberty, puberty I swear to God, she's been so much easier. I, I, it's like reverse. It got better. I'm like, she like I remember Fingers her five crossed, years man. old throwing herself on the ground all the time. We'd like step over her and stuff. And it's like so much better. <laughs> But um, yes, yes, you need it. Oh, fingers crossed. Uh, so, if your house was on yeah. fire, you pulled up, and all the family members were out, and any pets were out, and you could save one thing, what would it be? <laughs> uh, my external hard drive. Because that's the only that. books and I, I, we just lost ours. Or, or it would be my I scrapbook. So if I could get all my scrapbooks out, I would. But if I have my our computer crashed a couple weeks ago, and it was the most painful experience of my life. I think I was like, no, I had just finished recording an audio book that I lost the whole thing, <laughs> and I, I don't. I, I we managed to get my covers back, and I I always like backed up like the uh, the actual documents. But you know, and that, that was painful. I would, I would probably save that yeah. too, because to heck with the, I don't even care about the scrapbooks anymore. <laughs> Just as long as the pictures are on there. Well, when I was, I was about sixty-five thousand oh. words into my oh. second book, and my computer died, oh. and it was on my computer, it, and. My husband, who's an electrical engineer, kept insisting it was just the motherboard. And so I bought a new computer, and he bought some, like, gizmo thing to get the hard drive and put it on the oh, new computer. Okay. And it was there. And yes. so then... I don't, that awakening. Was like, <laughs> but so then I put everything on a flash drive. 
and then I deleted one whole file, so I lost like the finished version of oh. one in all the promo, like all the pictures and graphics from one of my books. Um, I was able to recreate it. Like I had a good enough file that I just had to kind of for- reformat it. Um, and then, so that's the same, com- like, so I got this computer in mm-hmm. 2013. So I have the same computer. And it's when Microsoft upgraded to Windows 10, right. it started not closing down, yes. shutting down randomly. Yes, I do too. So I now write <laughs> in Google Docs. Um, and you got it. Because, and, and I mean, when I go to format the book and when I send it to the editors, I do put it in Word and it's on my thing. But now, so what I have in Google Docs is not a final version anymore um, once the book is complete. But and I try to upload a copy to Dropbox and and all those things. But sixty five thousand words, which I did get back, was like yeah, it feels like you gave birth it. again. <laughs> yeah, so I now have I have fifteen. Yeah, you I have fifteen books out there, you know? so it make it makes me a little oh, thick to think God. about losing any of them. So th- that would be, but yeah, but my heart's would say get the pictures too because I'm a big I I don't scrapbook as much as I used to but uh, I do like to scrapbook and I put a lot of time and effort into our scrapbooks and it was funny my husband and I were watching something on TV the other day and it was about these like wild Mongolian horses or something and they're like the only wild horses left in the world and this and that and um, I was like oh well we saw them at thus and such zoo didn't we? And he's like, I think so. And then I go and I pull out the scrapbook and I knew what year it was. And I pull out the scrapbook and I had researched, I had gone on the zoo's website and written down what all the animals were when I took pictures. And it's like, yeah, there's are pictures of those horses. Um, and so being able to kind of do stuff like that, it, it makes <laughs> yeah, my hair hard. I don't think we've printed out pictures and so. I can't even tell you how long. So everything is on the computer and maybe Facebook, but that's, I don't even think I even upload yeah. things to the computer anymore because I've just gotten so bad at that, you know? The, the, the kids. Once or twice a year, I try to put pictures and save them to my hard drive. Uh-huh. And I do upload them to Snapfish. So then that yeah, is kind least, of a backup. At least you have that. I, I have my daughter saying, um, you know, my, my, my scrapbook is yeah. like only three quarters of the way complete and you didn't finish it. And I'm like, dude, you're the second child. Just deal with it. <laughs> Lucky I didn't have a third. You're lucky you weren't the third. <laughs> I'm the third child. My baby book yeah. is I was born and I rolled over at three months. And that oh, is the That's terrible. <laughs> so. I was like, my kids are not gonna have this. I go away once a year. I go on a girls' weekend, and we actually Aww, that's do nice. scrapbook. Um, I'm still yeah. years and years behind, but I do have. I, I enjoy doing it because, again, I'm yes. a, like I'm a storyteller, and I and I've always been interested in my family history, and. The scrapbooks, just having that outlined for my kids and my grandkids, you know, that they can say, well, you know, when they went here or, or, you know, this is what my grandmother looked like on her eighth birthday or, you know, that sort of thing. Um, So that's my gift to my family 
into the generations that come after me. Now, probably no one will ever even look at them. <laughs> but when I force my family to look at them for different things, if I pull out a book to look at something, somebody yes. will sit right. They do like to look at the, the books. They they enjoy it. So yeah, I, and I, I enjoy don't... doing it. I enjoy craft. I mean, I enjoy the crafting aspect, which is part of yeah. I think you know, I think part of being a writer is you you take something you take. I say it like, like with sewing, you take something that's two-dimensional and make a three-dimensional object out of it. And I feel like make, you can do that with Make words. a picture and people can when see the picture instead of, yes. That is yeah. very, very true. Yeah. My gosh. Well, I mean, I could talk to you all day, but I'm sure you have many more important things to do today <laughs> and like, you know, batten down that. <laughs> yes. In theory, I really, I I really like, well, I can't because I can't get my Google Docs because I have no internet. I mean, I guess I can write it on my phone, but that's no fun. Um, <laughs> yeah. uh, you have an excuse um, not so, to write today, Like, where but... can we find you social media-wise? Um, well, so I am on Facebook. That is probably the social media mm-hmm avenue I use the most and it's Catherine K-A-T-H-R-Y-N R Beal B-I-E-L um, <laughs> like Jessica but I'm not married to Justin Timberlake uh, Catherine R Beal author um, so that's my Facebook page my website is www.catherinerbeal again that's K-A-T-H-R-Y-N R-B-I-E-L dot com um, I'm on Instagram and Twitter um, at K.R. Beal. Um, I think that's most of the social media. I do have a Pinterest, I do have Pinterest board. So if you really like my books and you want to see my character inspiration or different places or different outfits, um, I do have care, um, Pinterest boards for a lot of my books. I keep them secret until I publish them. Oh my God, you're exactly like me. I do the same thing. I have, I have like, um, this is the character I imagine for this person. I put it on my secret Pinterest board because I don't want anybody to be like, Yes, and then after I put the book out, then I'll go and release it. And I don't know that anyone's I, ever actually looked at my Pinterest boards, if you, but they're there if you would like to see them. Um, and I'm also on Spotify. Oh, I, okay. I, if I do a playlist mm-hmm. for a book, not all of my books have playlists, um, I put the playlist on Spotify. But if you go to my website, on each book page, if, there, if there's a Spotify playlist, you can um, find the Spotify playlist. Like um, when I did I'm Still Here, there were songs that it that kind of inspired the book, right. but then she was also in a cover band. Um, so then I had so for that one I have two playlists because I have like the songs that convey the feeling of the book, um, and then I have the Rusty Buckets that was the cover band their playlist. So the songs that she that was is really with. cool. I never thought of doing well, that. That's that's really you know is <laughs> like in theory if I ever take off. I'm all set. Like I've got all the avenues covered. I just need to actually take off. But um, like sometimes, do you listen? Do you listen to music while you um while you're actually writing? Like sometimes writing, do you listen I do. That book I did, the, yeah. and I was yeah. listening, I was doing Pandora back then, and I stumbled upon like just a song or two, and I liked them. And then it it really there were a lot of songs that set the tone. And the biggest song for that book, I would say, is um, Say Something by Great Big World and Christina Aguilera. Um, that song, oh, I, okay. like, uh-huh. really, to me, because it's, you know, Say Something, I'm Giving Up on You. And I felt like 
right, that was right. the whole her whole relationship with her twin sister was she gave up on her twin sister because her twin sister like wouldn't give anything back like she wouldn't say something um so and then I'll like I'll or I'll hear a song out and be like oh this is this couple's song and you know my kids are looking at me like you're crazy these are fictional people who live in your head mm-hmm. but <laughs> it's you know thinking out loud will always be Caitlin and Declan from Jump Driving Well that's their song um you know so I just my couples have songs and my latest book Take a Chance on Me is set in the musical theater world so I listened to a lot of Broadway music while I was right and sometimes it's while I'm writing oh wow I'm while okay I'm yeah, that makes sense yeah, so it was great because I mean, some of it I had to go and I was trying to like talk about how numbers were staged or choreographed or this or that. So I was watching a lot of YouTube videos. It was great. I, I watched a lot of Broadway stuff. But then <laughs> I will like, I'll find myself listening to the music. So I would, you know, while I'm making dinner, I'd put Alexa on and I'd be listening to Broadway music. And now it's more like 90s alternative because she's. My, the character in my new book is going to be working at a radio station and that's what they play. So my playlist is kind of generated from that. So. Very cool. That's very, that's very cool. I, I never thought to do that. That's really cool. Um, it's probably not that, an original but... idea. I probably saw that somebody else did it because let's face it, I'm not super original, but. Um, <laughs> and I do have a. Yeah, but anything that helps. Yeah. Yeah. So. Um, and I do actually have a store on Redbubble. Um, you can also find it on my website. You can get links through there. But I have started designing and putting out um, merch, like T-shirts. You can get T-shirts, mugs, notebooks. And um, like with my logo, oh, I have awesome. one that says Resilient. Mm-hmm. And then I have a current mood series because one a character in one of my books would always say, like, current mood, fatigued, current mood, this. And so I made a series of T-shirts based on her current mood. So it's like, there's one that says like, that's great, mood, hormonal, and then underneath it says, consider yourself warned. Um, you know, so just kind of snarky. <laughs> I may funny. need to get that yeah. one. And that's on Redbubble. So that's social media wise. Well, I will definitely link to all of that in the show notes. So everybody can go and check that out. I will definitely need current mood hormonal for me, <laughs> my daughter. You know, and there's one that's like maybe various kids I work with. There you go. <laughs> um, yeah, no, I, I, I'm a little bit snarky too, so I kind of when I, I've developed a very big love for snarky, sarcastic t shirts over the last couple of years. So chances are, if you see me, I love it. One. I love it. Well, thank you so much for taking <laughs> time great. during our hurricane to um, do this podcast. <laughs> And thank you for, for talking to me. It's been really great and very eye-opening. And I love talking to people that kind of come from the same place yep. that I do. So Well, and I, I do have to, I'll very, put in this little, yeah. um, I'll put in this little pitch for you is I read Letters to My Sister Shrink. Right? Is that the name of the book? It's, Are you there? Yes, it's, yes, it's currently being made into an audio book. And I love yeah. it. Yes, yes, I'm here. Can you hear me? Yes, I can hear you. Can you hear me? Oh. We are having technical. Okay, we're having technical difficulties. No, it's um, it's currently actually being okay. made into an audio book, and I love the narrator. She just did such an amazing. And when job I read that, 
I felt very much like it was an I Still Here book. Like, I think I felt about that book the way you felt about I'm Still Here. Um, so it's one of those that's, things. That's very nice. Thank you for saying that. I, I think we're very similar. Like, like, but like, I think we write similarly. Oh. And that's one of those things. Like if we could yes. find a third book, we could do a box set of those three. But we need to find a third. We should, we should write a, we should <laughs> write a book totally together. I would totally be on board with that, except I have two other that would be amazing. work that I'm totally <laughs> slacking off on. Um, but Yes, like I'm, if, if I, my I chapter agree. on the book that I've been writing for over a year that we were going to get done in three months. So I saw somebody in the book, in the group post that they had collaborated on a yeah. book and they got it written in two weeks. And I'm thinking, oh my God, how do you do that? Oh my God. Well, I did write my last, na I did write my last Nano book in a month and it was just, it just like flew off the pages, but that was like a one-time deal. I've never been able to do that replicate yeah. that or anything like that you know and then and like you I and I, thousands right now, of ideas in my I head because I was supposed to write in July and I think I got you know 4,000 words written in July um and the climate of the world right now is just preventing me from focusing on what I need to be doing which is writing but I'll get back to it Right. And then you need and you need to go easy you need to go easy on yourself too though. I think a lot of us are beating ourselves up because we didn't write six books in this quarantine. And um, yeah. we need to go easy. And on that's what I'm giving myself. I'm giving myself that permission. Go with the flow. <laughs> I, I'm giving myself that permission to get done when I get done and that's all I can do because they're right now the book writing it's it's twenty twenty. Like everything's off the table. Just that's what it is, and I do the best I can, and exactly. we all do the best we can. So, all right. Well, thank you for including me on your can. podcast. Well, thank you so much. Okay. Yes, and I will uh, yes, keep in touch with you in, in our Facebook world. Right, bye bye. Right. Talk. Thanks for joining me on this episode of Bookshelf Banter with author Catherine Beale. You can check out the show notes to follow her on social media and for links to her books and her website. And definitely, definitely check out her merch. I'll be checking it out too. So until next time.